Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Anne, and I'm here with my new friend, Dina, and she's going to introduce herself, but I just invited Dina to come and talk about various things that encompass Christian faith and mental health. She has her own experience, and she's also getting the experience of sharing what she's learned with other women and other Christians. So Dina, welcome. Welcome to Soul Grit. Tell us about yourself. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm a wife, a mom, a writer, a speaker, and also my day job. I work for Wheaton's Humanitarian Disaster Institute. So I love a lot of different things and I feel grateful that my life is full, but um, the Lord has gotten me through so much. So I love talking about, you know, what he's brought me through and how he's taught me, hopefully to help others. Yeah. That's great. So I, my mind is going in so many different directions. that I'd like to ask you about all these little pieces that put together this really amazing life that you're living. But I think because I, I checked out your website, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about wounded and weary women. Sure. Well, I've been both in my life. I grew up in a, a very ultra traditional family And um, we were Christians, but my dad had an anger issue. And so that was really difficult growing up. I internalized a lot of coping mechanisms like perfectionism and um, overachieving. I became a people pleaser. And so I began in my 20s to really experience depression and anxiety as I became a mom. And those coping mechanisms failed me because you can't be perfect mom. And um, marriage wasn't the happily ever after, never have an issue thing that I had idealized. So thankfully, um, God brought me to a Christian counselor and I went to my doctor and found out some underlying issues. But I've just because I was called to ministry at a young age at about 11, um, I've always tried to be open to what the Lord would use in my life. And growing up, I thought I was going to be a missionary in Africa because that was the only thing I knew. <laughs> but he's been using my struggles with chronic illness, with depression and anxiety. And he showed me so many women in scripture that have struggled with all sorts of wounds and all sorts of weariness. So I've studied those and you know, through scripture, especially God has encouraged me that I'm not alone and that, you know, that he is there in my darkest times, like he's been there for everyone else. So I love speaking to wounded and weary women because I've been there and sometimes I still am there. Yeah. Who is your maybe favorite or the one you most relate to in the Bible? I think the one that is my favorite is Hagar. I studied her for a book I wrote, co-wrote with a friend a few years ago called Wounded Women of the Bible. And I never really had known her story before, but she was definitely 
an interesting woman. She was mistreated by her mistress, Sarah. She, you know, ran away and then God told her to go back and submit. Um, she had a son by Abraham. Um, and then God really met her twice in the desert, which spoke to me because these wilderness seasons I've been in, he has met me there, even though at first I may not have felt him. But Hagar was the only woman in the Bible to give a name to God. Mm. And it was El Roy, which means the God who sees me. That has encouraged me so much that he sees me in my pain, in my joys, whatever I'm going through. I'm not invisible. I'm not unloved and I'm not abandoned. And when everybody else in your life seems like they don't see you, you know that God does. Exactly. Yes. It's so comforting. And I imagine that it's motivating or inspiring to you that when you, when you have that kind of love from God, where he sees you, you want to do your best to see other people. Well, exactly. You know, I think that studying the Bible and going to counseling, all of those things have made me a better mom, a better wife, um, a better minister, because when you see people's wounds, that opens them up to a conversation. And I believe, you know, that they feel heard and loved and accepted. And so then you can hopefully share some truth from your own experience. And that's what I try to do. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Recently, I was having a conversation with a friend and she told me, and I just feel so seen by you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that is a great compliment that you know, like that's not something people talk about a lot, but when you understand that God El Roy like sees us and that is such a beautiful description of him, like I want to be described in that way too. That's awesome. I agree. Totally. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, Dina, would you like to share a little bit about your experience, just your mental health journey? Sure. Um, I, like I said, my coping mechanism served me well, as I tend to do for a while in college and high school. But when I became a mom and my son was not a good sleeper and I couldn't nurse. And so I felt sort of like a failure and I just began to feel this deep, dark depression. I remember going to an event with some friends and I was taking the baby because we were just hanging out at one of their houses And on the way there, I just heard because I was crossing a bridge over a lake that we live nearby. And I heard a voice saying, just drive into the lake. You know, my baby was in the back seat Mm -hmm. and oh, it frightened me. So I pulled over and called my sweet husband and said, I got to get help. This isn't right. And there was other signs too, like couldn't stop crying, couldn't sleep, lots of anxiety, even panic attacks. And I had started going to counseling before, um, but we had been trying to get pregnant, so I didn't get on medication. But this time I went to the doctor and he actually found a thyroid issue that was contributing. Um, And I went back to counseling and then I joined a support group for um, going through the book Search for Significance. All of those things helped me so much. And I'm still on medicine. I still try to do the things that I know to keep mentally health, mental health at the forefront and keep strong. But I still have days. You know, we all do. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm just thankful that my husband supported me. He didn't understand, but he wanted me to get help because he saw how bad I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then I had a God in his providence had put a counselor at my church that was involved with new life clinics at the time in Fort Worth and new life is still around and in God's redeeming grace. A couple of years ago, I got to help collaborate on a book with Steve Arterburn who started new life clinics. So I'm so thankful for all of those things. You know, it's like wheels, uh, spokes in a wheel. I tell people, you know, just um, even exercise, fresh air, all those things. Mm -hmm. It all helps. And it's all a part of keeping strong mentally for me. And I'm grateful. Um, now a couple of more of my family members, my immediate family members have struggled with depression and I've known how to help them. Yeah. We've had very open conversations. I think our family counselor knows way too much about us, but she's awesome. <laughs> so, um, you know, and especially makes it work, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. And, you know, and I'm glad that my boys don't feel ashamed to say when they're struggling. Cause I, I did mm. back then we didn't talk about it in the church. So I didn't tell my church or my good friends. I just, I kept it to myself. Yeah. What do you think the message was that you received from the church growing up? If you were to struggle or have problems? Well, I grew up in a very conservative church. So we, you know, we heard a lot about sin and shame and guilt. We didn't hear a lot about freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't hear a lot of, I heard a lot about hell. I didn't hear a lot about abundant living. And so I think I had internalized some, some misunderstandings about God and the church and about depression. I, back then it was almost like, I felt if I admitted how was how bad I was struggling, I would be judged. Yeah. That I, I would just be told, you know, well, it's sin. I n- I never really shared, so I can't say that I've been shamed. But I know a lot of friends that have felt that way, that have been told, oh, well, you don't need medicine; you just need to get right with God. Or, you know, uh, but I see the Bible. I see people in Scripture that struggled, like Elijah and David. Yeah. No, and Jesus in the garden, he really struggled emotionally to surrender to his calling and mm-hmm. he was betrayed and he suffered. And now I see scripture all over the place saying God is with us in our pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people too, God provided people yeah. to be with you in your pain. And that's part of being the church. Exactly. Yeah. What was it like to be a new mom and go through panic attacks? It was, it was rough. Mm -hmm. I remember one vacation that we were going to go on. We had it all planned. And the night before I said, I can't go. Mm -hmm. I was too scared to get on an airplane, which I had always loved traveling. Mm -hmm. I was too scared to have a baby and have to navigate car seats with shuttles and things like that. Um, And my husband said, okay. We'll make a different plan. I mean, he was like, now he's been through depression, so he gets it. But back then he just wanted me better. He loved me a lot and he wanted me better. Um, so he, we just made an alternate plan. We had a, we drove an hour and a half away and got a hotel and mm-hmm. had fun, you know, and 
I'm just so grateful that, like you said, God provided him in my life, especially in my parents and just different people that maybe they didn't always get it, Mm -hmm. but they were there for me anyway. Yeah. Did there come a point in time where you had to move from, okay, we're going to change the plan because these plans aren't working for me to, I got to work with the plans. I'm going to move through the difficult point. Did that ever happen for you? Yes, for sure. It took, it took some counseling It took growth, but I began to see, okay, I'm going to have to do some of these things I'm uncomfortable with, kind of get back on the horse, (laughs) so to speak. Um, And as my healing journey progressed through, you know, about a year of really intensive counseling, I began to feel joy again. I began to feel peace again. I began to enjoy my baby, which hadn't happened. Yeah which also added to the guilt. Cause I thought I'm supposed to love this. This is supposed to be the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah. And I just, I want my life back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for anybody who might not be familiar with postpartum depression, these are some of the hallmarks, right? Like those yeah. scary, dangerous thoughts, like drive off the bridge. Um, that sense of not enjoying that thing that, you know, you're supposed to enjoy and not feeling like bonded and, and affectionate towards your baby. That's another one of those hallmarks. And then just like the, all the regular depression stuff, the crying and the, you know, can't get out of bed, the lack of motivation, can't pull, keep myself together, all of that. Right. Yeah. I just, I just want to make sure listeners are, are aware of what, what we're talking about here is like a postpartum depression. And then you added on another layer of panic attack. What was the biggest, scariest one? Do you want to describe it to us? Well, the biggest one I think was we were driving somewhere and I had just had a disappointment in my career that, you know, I'd really counted on something coming through and it didn't. I think we had also had some friends move off and this was all compounding the depression. And this was at the very beginning of counseling. But I remember feeling like I was having a heart attack, like I couldn't get my breath. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, oh, I don't want to do that. It was like, oh my gosh, I need to go to the hospital because it was very, it was very difficult to breathe. And yeah, that was scary. Yeah. I'd never had that before. Yeah. This is a totally a physical, like yeah, you're, you're identifying a couple of these situational or circumstantial things that contributed to that feeling of anxiety. But once mm-hmm. it's an actual panic attack, this is a physical thing where you really feel like you're dying and that, yes. that you're not going to recover from this. Like your heart's going crazy. Sometimes even your muscles cramp up, your breathing is off and you don't like, you can't see straight to figure out what to do next. Right. Right. How, how did you learn what to do if that happened? You know, my... <laughs> my lovely therapist. Mm -hmm. She really talked me through that. I learned some centering techniques, you know, to help myself breathe better, to um, be in the moment and not forecast doom because I had a tendency to do that. Um, And I think that those two things, plus just having scripture, she told me to write scripture out and have it everywhere. (laughs) So that was so helpful. Like I would have a little index card with scriptures on and above the changing table 
in my car, by the, in the kitchen and just anywhere in the house that I could look at it, take deep breaths, center myself and begin to realize, okay, this is, this is a moment. It's going to pass. Here's what God says. It's not, it's not what my mind is saying is the truth, but what God says is the truth. He's here. He's going to get. And then of course the medicine helped as well. Once my brain began to be better those began to lessen. Yeah. Do you remember what that most um, influential was? Probably in Philippians. That was one of the chapters or the books of the Bible that I kept going back to. So like the joy of the Lord is my strength that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Philippians 4 13. And then when he talks about um, in all things, give thanks mm. And, you know, present your request to God and he will, he just gives us that supernatural peace that the world can't give mm-hmm. four, five, and six Philippians four, five. There and you six. go. Yeah. You use a phrase forecasting doom. Can you tell us what that means? Forecasting doom that, that is, it's a, for me, something that was sort of ingrained in me because my dad was so pessimistic mm. and I began to kind of see things that were going to go wrong and forecast them in my mind instead of being in the moment and and trusting God with the future. But I would just make, you know, almost prepare myself for bad things so that in a weird way, I thought I was helping myself. So if this happens, like the worst happens in this situation, I can deal with it because I've already thought through (laughs) I'm prepared. Worst case scenario, which is a terrible way to live. But when you're in it, you don't realize that that's so harmful. Yeah. And then I assume that probably helped you avoid some things that became too scary. Of course. Yes. It was easy to stay. It still is when I'm going through struggles, it's easy to stay either in my room or in bed or at home and not get out and not see friends, not, you know, go to church, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I like to put like little visual images to some of those phrases like that. And like forecasting doom, I'm thinking of like a weather forecaster. That's like saying doom is on the horizon. (laughs) Everybody prepare for some reason for me, when I put like almost comical images like that to some of those uh, phrases that we use in counseling, it makes it that much more ridiculous so that you don't want to participate in that behavior anymore or that thought pattern anymore. You know? I love that. I'm a visual person. I love that. Yeah. This is my little trick. <laughs> so now whenever you it. think of it, you're going to think about the, the ridiculous weather caster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit more about the work that you're doing. Like how can people find you and what, what benefit will they get if they look you up on the web? (laughs) Oh, thanks for asking. Well, I'm doing a lot of writing and speaking about chronic illness and depression and also wounded and weary women of the Bible. And so on my website, which is dinadyer.com and that's D-E-N-A-D-Y-E-R. They can find a five-day free Bible study on weary women of the Bible. 
They can also find blog articles and other podcast interviews I've done on some of those topics Mm -hmm. and learn about my books. And then I'm on probably Instagram more than anything. And that's just Dina Dyer, same spelling. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I will include all of those links in the show notes so people can find that in case you're, you know, walking or showering like I do when I'm listening to podcasts. Um, So I'll make sure people can do that. And, um, I don't know, like, I love talking to people just about mental health and Christian faith. And right before we were hopping on the recorded part of this conversation, we were talking a little bit about, um, just the growth of the church in this area. And so tell me more about like what you're seeing in that area. What, how's the church responding right now? Oh, it's so much better. I have the gift of hindsight. I'm 51 this year. Okay. And uh, it's so much better now. It. I just was uh, helping my boss uh, the last month or so. He was a part of a mental health summit mm. for the church. I see a lot of articles. There's been books released in the last couple of years. And I think pastors are beginning to realize with the world we live in and the pandemic and you know, all of the increased anxiety and depression, that it's something that they're going to have to, to support. They're going to have to talk about it and hopefully have resources for their people. Mm -hmm. And I hope that if, you know, churches and pastors aren't doing that, that they'll, they'll start Mm -hmm. because it's, it's almost an epidemic, especially with young people right now, if you read the stats. Um, So, yeah, I think we are making huge progress and we have made huge progress, but we still, need to be proactive in the church. God wants us to sit with the suffering, to love them, to, you know, talk about the freedom they can have in Christ and come alongside them when they, when they need it. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that there's such an epidemic with young people of needing mental health support. I've talked to other guests and friends about how with millennials, it's almost like cool to have a therapist. <laughs> And so, and I don't know the ages of your children, but that it might be like more acceptable with younger people to just be like, yeah, I have depression. I have bipolar. I'm anxious, whatever it is. And I see a therapist and my therapist told me this and I take meds. Those kinds of things seem more accepted with the 20 something crowd or even the teenage crowd right now. But I see, like you said, you're 51. I'm about to turn 40. and there's people that are maybe even older than the two of us that have grown up in the church like you did, where you saw that, oh, this would be a shameful thing to admit that I'm struggling with this and I'll just keep it together myself and be a good Christian girl and, and counseling and meds and stuff is for people with real problems, you know? And so I see the need for um, men and women that are our age or older to really be able to break free in this area, like get the help they need. I think you're completely right. I, especially, um, in the South, there's this almost this thing of, well, we just don't talk about that. That has been passed down through generations. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like, you know, with the church combined the way the church has been, and some churches continue to be, combined with this perfect Southern lady thing or this Southern code, Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. I do see older people that struggle and don't feel okay getting help because they do feel like, oh, I should have more faith. Yeah. And, you know, I've grown up in California. And so I know some things are culturally different for me than they are for you in Fort Worth, but I still see that in the church, at least. Yeah. Um, like I'll just give an example. My dad had a heart attack last year and, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll have a chest pain and he'll go straight to the emergency room and they'll check him out and he'll be just fine. And I'll yeah. say, dad, it's probably anxiety related. And he'll say, well, what do I have to be anxious about? <laughs> and I'll say, well, dad, that's not how it works. Like when you were describing your panic attack, like, yeah, there were circumstances, but this is a physical response of your body that you had to learn to breathe through and think through. And, and like you said, you get exercise and you go out in nature and you do all these things to take care of yourself. And I think maybe some people of the older generation don't quite understand that that's something a counselor can help with. (laughs) Right. And they, they haven't been taught that. So they don't see it as a necessity part of their health regimen, Mm -hmm. which I almost see it now as a, as a part of my, I have for years, this is a part of how to keep healthy. Yeah. Like going to the dentist. Mm -hmm. I don't always have cavities, but I always go for a checkup, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen that sweatshirt that says, uh, mental health is health. No, so, I haven't. Yeah. I like that. There's a couple of companies that pop up on my social media feeds that are making uh, apparel to kind of normalize mental health. And so one of them, it says mental health is health. The other one I really like, it has a picture of molecular structure of serotonin Ooh, and yeah. it says on the bottom if you can't make your own store-bought is fine. <laughs> like, yes, as somebody that takes meds, uh, I, I can love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think we are getting better. My generation and below at recognizing that there's chemical things that happen that, you know, that just on a molecular level change our chemistry and, and it's not all, even though faith is a part of my healing, Mm -hmm. uh, thankfully I didn't hear the message that at least not too much, uh, when I was in my healing journey of, you know, you need more faith. Thankfully I had counselors that used the word and scripture Mm -hmm. throughout our process, Mm -hmm. but they also are like, are you on meds? Like this will help (laughs) you get back to a normal where you can actually see clear that you can make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes meds even are just for a time Mm -hmm. so that you can read and understand your Bible better (laughs) or that you can interact with church people, you know, like you can be able to do all those things better if your brain chemistry isn't holding you back. Exactly. And that one thing I've seen in some older people too, is just the tendency to, um, you know, once they're better, they think, oh, I can just stop taking these. It's not like an allergy pill, really. It's like (laughs) you need to work with a doctor on this because it does change your brain chemistry. And, you know, I've had a couple of different times when I've had 
uh, to change medicine. And it was tough. I'm glad I had a doctor's help. And I don't think that's necessarily just a problem with older, older people. I think that could be related to diagnosis too. Like true. one of the things that we see a lot of times with bipolar people that they start to feel good and then they feel like, Oh, I don't need the meds. And right. it's not, not only that diagnosis, but there's certain things where it's more common. Yeah. So, and like you mentioned, when, when you're trying to start a family or you're nursing or different times in your life, you're gaining weight and you don't want to, like there, there's a lot of biological factors that make you think, well, maybe meds aren't the thing for me right now. And that could be, but having a doctor's advice around that is a really good wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up when I was considering getting pregnant again with my youngest we didn't know he would be the youngest then, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, I talked to my doctor, my OBGYN. He knew my history. And I said, I want, we want to have another child, but I'm totally afraid that I'm going to go through this depression again. They have to give up, you know, this medicine. And I loved what he said. He said, well, work, I will work with you. He said, it's better to have you healthy. Yeah. And there's different classes of things that, you know, it's not going to harm your baby. And so I was able to stay on medicine throughout my pregnancy. And I had such a different experience with the birth, even though he was a preemie because of some blood pressure issues I had. I, it was a totally different ball game. It changed everything. I'm so grateful. With your younger son, were you able to bond more quickly with him? Oh, right away. Yeah. Yeah, Totally different experience. So I love I love that God provided doctors and medicine. They're not, medicine is not always going to be the answer for everybody, but for me, it's been literally life-saving. Well, and for anybody who has listened to previous episodes of Soul Grit, like, you know, I'm going to say this in almost every episode that it's a superpower when you are able to combine the power of the Holy Spirit with like the, the science of of medicine and, and the practice of counseling, like those things alone are not going to get you the same result as bringing the Holy spirit into it. So, yeah. So you have the two boys or more? I have two. I count, I say three sometimes because I count my husband, but (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) You have three men to take care of. I see. (laughs) And how old are your boys? 17 and 23. Okay, good. Now mine are younger, um, six, nine, and 11. One girl, the older one. Busy mom. Yeah. But I had some of those experiences too, where with my first pregnancy, I was already taking meds. And then I said to my doctor, do I need to get off my meds? Um, And she said, it's more dangerous for you to be a depressed mom than for you to be a medicated mom. And I said, okay. And I reduced my dosage a little bit, but I stayed on my meds. And then for my second pregnancy, I was like, I already know what I'm doing. I'm staying at this level. I'm good. And my doctor was fine with it. And then when I had my third child, my doctor was a little newer and less experienced with moms with depression. And so she was very nervous about me taking meds. And I wasn't nervous, but you know, if a doctor's nervous, that can make you nervous. 
Yes. <laughs> and so she sent me to all these specialists to have like an echocardiogram of the baby and, you know, like extra ultrasounds and all this extra stuff, which really just serves to increase your anxiety. Um, because it turned out once I got referred to the specialist and that person was like, this is all I do. I work with women who have depression and bipolar and take meds and are pregnant and you're fine. And there's no danger here. (laughs) But there were definitely some moments of spiked anxiety just from having to do the additional medical appointments. And so I guess I would just encourage just like you just have like, be a healthy mom and do what you need to do and work with your doctor to do, to to take care of yourself because that's how you're going to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope actually, or I'll have some more moms on in the future to talk about PPD and PPA and, but I appreciate you breaking the ice on this subject and. Of course. Glad to do it. Yeah. Sharing your heart. I'm looking forward to you sharing your Bible study and your books with other people and especially the articles that you're writing with Christianity today. That's a cool honor for you to have that wide publication. And also I just really appreciate that you're talking about depression in the church. It's part of my, my heart and my mission. So I'm so glad to do it and thankful for the opportunity. Honestly, I had some great input. I'm finishing it up today to submit to my editor and People were so honest and lovely, and I think it's going to help church leaders that have never really dealt with it to understand. Okay. Well, make sure when it does come out, is it coming out online or in print? It'll come out online and probably later next month. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you email me and I'm going to share that. So any listeners that are hearing this are going to be able to, you know, find it on my Instagram and all of that. So I'd love to be able to share that. Yeah. Okay. So the wrap up question that I ask every guest is what are you doing for soul care? For soul care, I try as best I can to not check the news or any (laughs) social media until I've had um, coffee, very important. And uh, read a devotional, read some scripture and try to try to set my mind for the day. It's so tempting to pick up that phone and do the opposite. But I've just noticed it does not do good for setting the tone for my day and my health and my mind. Awesome. Is there a devotional that you're enjoying right now? Well, it's funny you should ask. I'm actually doing um, reading through Ann Spangler she has one called women of the Bible and I've never read it. It's it's, she's such a great writer and I've read a couple of her books. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I haven't read that either. She has a co-author and I can't remember the name, but yeah, whatever they write, I read. Okay. I'm going to check it out. Well, thanks for being here today and sharing your experience and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It was really great to meet you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.